everybody and welcome to the true crime squad this is katie weaver i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in all crimey things <laughs> christy <laughs> brower i can't even do it christy brower hello <laughs> hey guys hello i'm partner in all crimey things except for the actual committing of the crimes that part no yeah <laughs> okay yeah i'll give you that okay <laughs> i was trying to uh pin this to our this live stream to our Twitter and talk at the same time and things happened, you know? Yeah. They got I, all mixed up, messed I totally up. Totally get that. Yeah. Hello. I think the talking thing is that's hard. It's a challenge. Yeah. So how's it going? Uh it, it's good. It's good. Um I uh did my deliveries for Amazon Flex today while I was trying to at every, every time I would stop, I would update your Twitter feed. <laughs> now what's happening now what are they saying now what now what <laughs> oh this financial stuff i it gets a little dry but it's also so important yeah yes. because it just proves the timeline of this whole fucking ridiculous mess mm -hmm. so yeah i was super interested in what was said today so yeah a lot That's of interesting things today. said today but i'm so mad at us that last night we forgot to talk about how many guns alex I know. I thought of it after we got off the show. Like, he bought 46 guns. What? Well, he borrowed $20,000 plus. Yeah. And then went out and bought 46 guns and ammo. 46? That's a fuck ton of guns. Good but Lord. I think you're a warrior who's going to have to protect your sister and whoever else. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. Also thought the world was going to end. So take out a $20,000 loan that he's pretty sure he never will have to pay back, which is actually yep. true because he died. Yep. Oh, it's so weird. So weird. Well, you know, Alex told him that he was going to be the one training all of the other warriors. Yeah. Well, with all of his warrior experience. I know, you know. Like He wasn't in the military. He wasn't a member of law enforcement. I don't even think the dude went to a gym. What kind of warrior experience did Alex have that he well, was no, he to did train the some, masses? did some real bad stand-up comedy, he did but that. I don't think that's going to help him. I don't know. Maybe his jokes were so bad they just keel over. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. He did. Wake, you're right. He took it completely, completely seriously. And yeah, yeah left a six-figure job to follow Lori to Rexburg. Just he dropped his whole going life. To do anything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The guns are part of the prepper thing. Uh, you know, they had decided that Rexburg was the place where, you know, the good people would come and gather and that they were going to need defending. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird to me, I have to say, because we live in such a small place where no one knows where this place is. Like, well, you didn't used to right <laughs> thanks but chad like, and Lori. but like if if the u.s gets invaded from other countries you know where they're not going to attack rexburg idaho that's where or yukon idaho which is what they really said is where like the yeah. tent city is going to be mm -hmm. um yukon has a gas station you guys mm -hmm. a gas station that's it like yeah there's nothing in that place they it's just weird to me like why would there be all this oh yeah i think there's why would there be all of this worry that this would be the place that would be in danger? 
Yeah. Don't know, but it isn't. <laughs> I, I believe that's due to the adversary. Yes. Okay. The adversary, which is the devil or Satan. Mm -hmm. Satan. Mormons don't use the devil. They use Satan mm -hmm. or the adversary. <laughs> I now, know. It's Idaho. an happening place. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Southeast Idaho. happenings of a place. <laughs> oh, We're more likely to, you know, get blown up by the Yellowstone supervolcano than we are to get attacked by a foreign nation. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Or melted down by the uh, nuclear reactor site. Yes, there's that they too. That can't happen, but you know, <laughs> they yeah, say I, things we don't they know. Do say things. Yeah, see, I agreed, Paula. The closest target would be the INL. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Adds a new meeting to onward Christian soldier. This is true. Definitely yeah. does. Yeah. So I, I couldn't believe when we got off last night that we didn't mention the thing about the guns. I was like, what the hell no, are we doing? There's just so much information. Yeah. <laughs> so, but let's talk about today because it was really, really interesting. There were a lot of things that came up that uh, deserve to be talked about. Now, there was a lot of uh, repetition. And, and I was even like, my God, this is getting boring. I said today, I was like, today feels like the longest day I have been here. Yeah. It really wasn't. We had a long break for lunch. We had a, a hour and 10 minute break for lunch. And then when we got back, there was another 20, 25 ish minute uh, delay because somebody in the court house in a different courtroom had a heart attack. And so there was yeah. EMS services there and stuff. And so our court was delayed and there was just all this stuff going on. Was Alex a felon? I well, he did. I don't know. He, he got for attacking Joe Ryan, but I could yeah, be wrong about that. He did six months for it. He didn't go to prison, though. That he did jail time. Jail so time. In a that could have been a misdemeanor. For some reason, I thought it was a misdemeanor, but Paul, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was also from another state. Yeah. And he still could have bought those guns in Idaho, real easy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, no pretty problem. much everyone can buy a gun here. So, you <laughs> Wink, know. you're killing me. Their Zion would be protected by one pinhead with 46 guns. <laughs> <laughs> who was a bad shot. Right? Yeah, who was only good at shooting if he was, you know, point blank. At the range, maybe, I guess. Yeah. No, he shot point blank at Charles. But He did. That's true. Yikes. So, before we dive in we have to talk about the objection because the objection came up about a half a million times today uh, i would imagine archibald uh, had to get a throat lozenge after court <laughs> 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 of the same objection the 404b here's what the 404b means loosely the prosec the defense did not want anything about arizona to come into the conversation for right. obvious reasons, right? I was telling my husband all this today, and he's like, I can't believe they're letting that stuff about Charles in. I can't believe they're letting that in. Like, well, it's a good thing. He goes, well, if I was the defense, I would have fought that tooth and nail. And like, wow, they did. They but did. here was the concession. The concession was that, uh, and this is where 404B comes in, that uh, you cannot bring in past bad acts to cast aspersions or judgment on someone's character but you can bring in past bad acts in order to help to set a common theme 
like they're doing or common scheme conspiracy common scheme or is common theme she scheme scheme right it's scheme, scheme. Yep. where i've been in court all day i'm very sorry <laughs> uh, common scheme uh as well as motive so basically the judge is saying look i'm gonna allow it but i'm also going to instruct the jury that this is how they have to look at this evidence through this lens yeah technically that's a uh, instruction that's given to the jury when they deliberate but he has given it to the jury now i would say three times that i have heard maybe at more. least yeah just about every day when it all comes up but mm -hmm. it hasn't stopped archibald from every time a new witness or a new uh, piece of evidence anything that uh, really has to do with charles's death he objects again and says, just to put it on the record, I am still objecting to this under 404B. Mm -hmm. So it came up about a thousand times today. And every I'm time sure the judge it will is be like, used as an attempt at an appeal. Obviously. Yep. My thought. But too. I don't know that they really have a leg to stand on. Yeah. When it comes to that. But and the judge every time is like, thanks for putting it on the record. Uh overruled. You know. But it came up a million times. So I'm not gonna go over that every single time. Just know that that happened about a half a million times today. And <laughs> and that's why. It is Archibald doing his job, to be fair. And frankly, mm -hmm. it was kind of nice to hear Archibald's voice today because we have heard nothing but Thomas. And uh, I I was ready yeah. to hear someone else. I don't know about you guys. No offense Why to Thomas. Thomas so whiny. 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 So whiny. Yeah. 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 Not my fave. So that's so just get that out of your system now. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into it. Now I got to get back to the beginning of my notes. <laughs> there was a lot of witnesses today. They were really booking it. Mm -hmm. Which I think is good. They need to book it. This is going to last a million years. Oh my gosh. Just thinking about how many more people there are that we know of that likely will, um, you know, testify. Mm -hmm. The list is still very long. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Detective uh, Consadas was first on the stand this morning. You know, he was there yesterday. Mm -hmm. And they had been introducing a ton of discovery with him. All of these financial records of Lori's, of Chad's, of Tylee's, of Alex's. Yeah. So that's where it started. There was yet again, the defense is, or the prosecution has had a hell of a time keeping all of this uh, discovery organized. There have been many times where there's had to be some kind of a stop so they could be like, ah, this is Exhibit 100, but we already had an Exhibit 100. So then they all have to come together and be like, so what number do we make this? I don't know. Today they made it 100A. But, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Like, it's so much stuff. It is voluminous, as we know. My God, isn't it though? Yes. So this is how uh, th this is how uh, it kind of played out <laughs> today. One hundred turned into one hundred a, but it took easily ten minutes to come up with that solution. So <laughs> that's kind of went on. There were only six of us today in the Madison viewing room. It was glorious. That's awesome. Glorious. The Madison viewing room is great because. It's easy in and out on a, the elevator. It's mm -hmm. not hard to get there. It is very laid back. 
the detective or the uh, the bailiff in there is such a nice guy. He's always super nice to us. Like they're making it easy, which is really super nice because you know it's just a viewing room. Downsides. Yeah. Sometimes people kind of forget where they are and start visiting loudly. And that's a real problem for those of us that are live tweeting, especially mm -hmm. girls like us that are about half deaf and you can't hear. I, I literally had to to directly eye contact shush to adult women last week and tell them <laughs> that if they needed to talk, they needed to go to the back of the room. And I know <laughs> they did not like that. But my mom was a teacher and my teacher voice came out in a big way. But it, yeah. but it was when Zulema was testifying and she was so quiet mm -hmm. and I'm so freaking deaf that I was like, look, you got to get away from me. I cannot deal with this. <laughs> for sure. So, but, but those are all really nice things, you know, for the most part, that's not, but you know, the fact that it's pretty laid back today, six people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, bud. Everybody and got then we their lost own row. <laughs> Pretty no, no. You want to know what's weird? Six of us, two benches, crammed all in together. <laughs> I would have been like, I'm going to go way over here by no one. Well, there's a there are preferred seats because there's a littler TV screen, and then there's like a giant movie projector type screen that's just really uh, fuzzy. So everybody wants to be by the the TV. Mm -hmm. And the whole front row is reserved for family or prosecution prosecution staff. One hundred percent of no one ever sits there. Yeah, ever. I'm tempted to just sit there, and if they make me move, make me move. I don't think they would because no one sits there. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, everyone wants to sit there, so we were all in one little tiny group sitting right there. But uh, it was fine. It was actually just really nice. That does make sense. Yeah. So I will say that. Really appreciate it. However, uh, my God, those benches suck. Everyone else. One lady showed up with a blankie today. She said, it gets really cold in here. She brought a big purple blanket and wrapped up in it. <laughs> in a courtroom. <laughs> More mean, power to her. It was cold in there. Last Friday, it was so cold in there. Something's wrong with the heating. It was actually warmer when they would open the door and the heat from the hall would come in. Would come in. Yep. The bailiff spent the whole day trying to warm up that room. Uh-huh. I, I wore my coat all day today. I never took it off pretty chilly but uh yeah people are bringing pillows to sit on because they're church pews and they are not comfy at all but anyway so that was kind of nice i sat next to a girl from local news eight i think or channel six i don't know she was super super sweet a couple of times we caught we looked at each other and went well that's a new detail you know <laughs> our ears are pricked for new details because we've heard a lot of this already i know some of yeah. you guys haven't but we we have and so suddenly you hear something you've not heard before and what was it Today, the one that she and I caught eyes and laughed about, Lori was the primary president when she lived in Hawaii. What? <laughs> Child murderer leading <laughs> the children's church program. Holy shit. I know. That one blew my mind, but we'll get there. That's towards the end of the day. Yeah. Let's get going. Okay. I, I saw that, Fran. Um, somebody took pity on Nate Eaton and brought him a pillow to sit on. They <laughs> gave him that. a cushion. I thought that was cute. Oh, please. People simp for Nate. They love well, him they so do. much. So bad. He probably hasn't bought his own lunch the whole time he's been down there. Oh, I'll Everyone bet not. loves him for mm -hmm. good reason. He's done an amazing job on this case. I will never oh. disparage Nate. No, he's awesome. But yeah, people... Uh, 
in court, like when we've been in court with him. Oh my God, people puppy dog him, follow him around. What's mm-hmm. Nate doing? What's Nate talking about? Sit as Nate close go? to him as they can. And yeah, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> and we're like, you did a good job, Nate. But you're good. We're over here doing our thing. So that's fine. But yeah, I would imagine tomorrow he'll probably have four cushions since he tweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Brandy, primary president. Maybe explain that for the non-mos here. Primary president is a calling in the Mormon church. That means that you are in charge of the education of the children in your ward or your branch, your congregation uh, from 12 and under. So you're in charge of all of those teachers and the part of church that's just primary where all the kids are together for teachings and yeah, the fact that this uh, child murderer was the primary president just a few short years ago yeah, really blew my mind. Yikes. Basically, they look for the sweetest, the kindest, and the most organized lady in the, the congregation to be the primary president. Well, and usually they're a mother with small children, too. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Isn't that wild? It's wild. Right, Janet yeah. says how horrified those parents have to be. Right? <laughs> Could you imagine if you had little yeah. kids in that primary? <laughs> You're seeing yeah. this on the news now? That That is scary. Uh-huh. That was a shocker to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into it. So Wood for the state. Nice to see Wood. Uh, we haven't seen him do very much uh, direct so far. So it was nice to see him on the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, They put in a contract with Blue Sky Property Management on the record. Uh, This was, I believe it was for their condo in Hawaii. And basically the point of it was to enter it onto the record to show that she had said on the record uh, that they did not have children. Yeah. Because how does a mother with a 16-year-old and a 7-year-old move to Hawaii with no children? By lying and saying she has no children. Yeah. So gross. Ugh. Uh, then they entered a loan application on the record for a Christ from a Chrysler dealership by Charles Vallow uh, in earlier in 2019 for a Jeep. Remember the Jeep? The Jeep. Uh, Tylee, it was the Jeep was supposed to be for Tylee. And they had set it up so that the payments would come out of her bank account that her social security dumped into. So Tylee was getting about $1,900 a month in Social Security from her deceased father, from Joe Ryan. And it looks to me like I would assume that the agreement was, hey, we'll buy this Jeep. The payments can come out of your account and you will have this Jeep. Uh, That worked out until Lori took over Tylee's Social Security in August and transferred it to dump into her bank account. And September was the last time a payment was made on the Jeep. But the Jeep was, the, of course, then it was actually confiscated anyway. But at any rate, the um, that was just showing, again, putting all this stuff on the record, just showing more things about the Jeep, that, yes, they owned the Jeep, and this was when it was purchased. Yeah. Looking at an email Chad sent to a housing company in Hawaii three days after they were married, looking for a place to rent uh, in the email. He says that it's just two adults, no children, no pets. Yeah. 
A document from Cable One. It's a request from Lori to set up her internet that uh, established Lori's IP address that, mm. to her address in Rexburg. Mm -hmm. And then another Cable One document establishing Alex's IP address that was uh, associated with his apartment. Yeah. It's that due diligence of we know these were sent, these messages were sent from this IP address, which we know was that physical mm -hmm. address. Then they showed a document showing a transaction made in Missouri, mm, in Kansas mm -hmm. City, Missouri, on the 10th of October. This was a Venmo from Tylee's phone to Colby for $100. Uh, they hammered this multiple ways. They Throughout the day, they showed Lori being in Kansas City on the 10th multiple times. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly what they're setting up there. But however, I mean, they did show her in Kansas City with uh, Melanie Pulowski and they were meeting their friend Audrey with no kids. On the right. Tent. Part of it was no Part of kids. It was show that she, there's, again, here she is without the kids. But uh, anyway, they were really digging down, you know, hammering down on the fact that she was in Missouri. So I think there's going to be more to go with that, you know, that we'll put some pieces together later. Well, wasn't there, have we confirmed, is this confirmed or is this a rumor that she was looking for property in Missouri? I mean, do y'all know the, the, the uh, significance of Missouri in Mormon lore? I don't know. They probably don't, but that had been the rumor before when we had heard she'd been there, but uh, Dallas. So uh, Mormons believe that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And they also think that that's where Jesus is going to return. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Independence, Missouri. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, people who are from Missouri will tell you they have absolutely no idea why anyone would think that. I've heard I've heard a lot of comedians joke about this. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. So, that place in Missouri is very significant. Yeah. So, there were questions about, you know, is this was this part of their planning that they needed right. to have property there? Right. Was the goddess heading there to, uh, you know, stake out the place? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, wink, you're right. Missouri is where Zion will be, which is, you know, where, yes. all the, where all the good Mormons will be when the second coming happens and all that good stuff. So, Which is why I'm not sure they why they were setting them all up in Rexburg. But, well. Uh, they were going to have the battle first. <laughs> okay. And, and, I don't know. Uh, this so. could be, someone could write this into some kind of weird science fiction novel. Probably Chad sure. was in his head. But this will come out of the prison here in a few years. Oh, Lord, right? Mm hmm Then they shared a receipt from a residence inn in Kansas City, just showing uh, it was in Melanie Boudreaux, Melanie Pulowski's name for two travelers. Again, Lori was there traveling without the kids. Then they talked about JJ's prescriptions. This was really fascinating because we knew that when they searched the house, they found prescriptions for JJ, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we were all like, that's bad because this kid probably needs his medication. Well, as it turns out, JJ never had a med filled in any state that they searched in 2019. Yeah. Well, if I remember right, the med was Risperdone. And, and it was and PRN, right? Yeah, it's as needed. So Risperdone is, is an antipsychotic. And in really low doses, it's used for like 
kids with autism who have like anger problems. And so a big angry outburst might be treated as needed with a PRN risperdone, but it's not something he would have consistently taken likely. Mm -hmm. It's not a very safe med. It has some bad side effects, but it does work for, Mm -hmm. you know, PRN wise. But other than that, I don't think they would ever give it to a child that young. Yeah. Other than just a tiny dose if he was super, super upset. Yeah. So it sounded like they did a med search in Hawaii in Arizona, in Texas, in Idaho, and in Montana. Yeah, the Montana thing was interesting. Uh, I'll get there. Now, yeah, so who said it? Janet said Arizona only reports opioids. I thought, you know, they said all of this stuff that they had uh, done all of these searches and couldn't find anywhere that JJ had had any meds filled. And then they did say that about Arizona. So I don't know. It sounded like maybe in Arizona they weren't as sure on him. Montana. Is everyone going, what? Yeah. Yeah, I was. They had a lead that Tylee and JJ were being held in a bunker in Montana. And so they did a med search in Montana to see if any medication had been filled for Tylee, for JJ, for Lori, I think for one of the Melanies. Like they did a pretty broad search of Montana's prescriptions to see if anybody any of the players had had anything filled in Montana. They had not. Yeah. yeah interesting. interesting though, huh? Yeah. Now remember that that Risperdone was prescribed PRN, which means as needed. So he wasn't on anything consistently. I know a lot of people have been really worried that that was why he was acting out is because he was off his meds. This was not a medication that he took regularly to control his behavior. It was an as needed occasionally when he freaked out kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it wouldn't have necessarily had that big of an impact on him over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, I the, the instability in his family and the moving and all this stuff is much more likely to be the cause of the acting out than the med was. Yeah. They did confirm that nothing in the multi-state med search helped to find the kids. I think uh, for one thing, you know, the defense has kind of acted like, ah, you couldn't have backed it on every lead. And I think they're trying to uh, help illustrate that, yeah, they did, or at least they tried to. Oh, Phyllis likes our water bottles. Oh, they're circle, Phyllis. Look them up. They're fabulous. They're awesome. Uh, Then they had an email from Lori to a previous tax accountant. And she wanted to know what uh, she needed to do to get Charles's tax returns forwarded to her. Mm-hmm. She did this on the date within a few hours of the time that Tylee would have been buried in the backyard. My God. She's thinking about how to get more money. Yeah. That is terrifying. Then they uh, subpoenaed a bunch of records from the airlines, from American Airlines. They had flights for Lori and Tylee to Hawaii, multiple flights for Lori, and no flights for JJ. They did say one of the flights coincides with Lori's return from Hawaii on the day of Tammy's funeral. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there was lots more confusion on the exhibits being labeled incorrectly. Then uh, some a record from Southeast or Southwest Airlines showing that JJ had six trips from Phoenix to Houston in their search period, their search window. Uh, that was like 
I believe the first part of 2019 or roughly right in there. Uh, and that ended in June, 2019. Yeah. And then they looked at flight records from Allegiant airlines. And so Allegiant's interesting because Allegiant flies from Idaho falls to the Mesa airport for less than a hundred dollars. It's yeah. super, super cheap. So there were a bunch of flights that Chad took from Idaho Falls to Mesa and back and some flights that Lori had taken from Mesa to Idaho Falls and back, which really makes me wonder, when are we going to start seeing some hotel receipts from Lori and Chad? Right. Yeah. Where were they at prior to their spouse's deaths? Mm -hmm. Where were they hanging out? Gross. Can we um, remind you why anyone ooh. ever thought initially Lori was hiding the kids? Because that's what she and Chad were saying, essentially. because yeah, she told people that. Yeah, in their coded, They were at uh, risk and they were being protected and all that yeah. crap. Yeah, couldn't tell anyone where they were because they were being hunted and chased by the evil K. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that was her. She caused that. Then a document from Etsy. Now, this one's interesting because... We've been, oh, we've heard yeah. before about the rings, right? Yes. On August 15th, Lori attempted to order glow-in-the-dark malachite inlay titanium rings. And if you think that the court clerk could figure out how to spell malachite, you are incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole thing. That's uh, hilarious. She had Where it all set up to be shipped to a Chandler address, but then, alas, her credit card declined. <laughs> Whatever money she was living off somebody else from ran out. Maybe that's when her money from Joe Ryan ran out. Right. Good. Good point. Uh, <laughs> Quincidus called them wedding rings. And uh, Archibald objected to calling them wedding rings. There's no proof that these are wedding rings. You can't just call them wedding rings just because. The judge said, okay, fine. You can't call them wedding rings. They said, okay. <laughs> I mean, All the right. ones they did buy and use in their wedding were, in fact, Malachite. So I think right. it's pretty okay, clear they were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so that was it. The state had nothing further. There was no cross. So then the state called Mike Dub Douglas from the FBI. I was so excited because I thought this might be the moment we finally get to start hearing about Lori's cell phone pings. But alas, no. He's a forensic accountant. Ugh. Yeah, so he evaluated the financial records of Lori Chad, Alex and others. He had a whole bunch of timelines where he was showing like for Tylee, for example, Tylee's bank account was averaging somewhere between 50 to 70 transactions a month. Yeah, up until August 2019 and or 2019 when her mother took her money, essentially. Yeah, And then it dropped down to uh well, basically nothing. But before that, she was spending money right and left, you know. However, he said that Tylee's account was managed well. She had her Apple payment when it came out every month. Her Jeep payment came out every month. And she did a super good job uh, keeping money in her account, you know. Mm -hmm. But also all of her, most of her purchases were all brick and mortar. So like at restaurants and movie theaters and just local stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And after that, everything in that account was online purchases. Like it changed very uh, drastically. 
-hmm. Well, I thought it was really funny. He said, Tylee never uh, overdrafted her account. Right. Then, then as soon as Lori took it over, then it got overdrafted. Yes. yes exactly. Not only you're a murderer, but you suck at money. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was yep. just a funny little dig, I thought. So Joe's life insurance was about 65K. And they received that in 2018 and it went directly into Lori's account. Uh, in 2019, when Lori applied for her apartment in Rexburg, she claimed that her income was uh, $5,740 per month. He said that is not what Lori's income was, but that is what she put on the form. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Tanya Rawlings today for the state, which was interesting. I don't know that we've seen her yet. We actually mm -hmm. had two different women for the state that I, the other one, I couldn't even come up with a name for her, I'm sorry to say, but. She did an amazing job. That was the time when uh, Archibald did most of his objections. And man, she was right back at him. I was really <laughs> proud of her. That's but, awesome. I uh, digress. There's a lot of women in this case kicking ass and taking names. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't Lindsay kidding. Blake's deputy a woman? Is that Tanya Rawlings? That's Tanya Rawlings. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Lindsay, by the way, today, I just have to say, she's a badass and I love her. Yeah. She had on this really nice red jacket. And black pants and these cute little red shoes peeking out from under her pants. And she just looked awesome. That's all. That's and she's all I had such to a say. badass. She laid her dad to rest on Monday. Yeah. And here she and is. And is now doing this. Why did Tylee have to send money to Colby? Uh, they sent money to Colby because he needed it. Colby mm -hmm. has a disabled child. And they were a young married couple with a disabled baby. And were really struggling. And. I don't know if their baby is disabled. They had some really serious health problems. I should probably say it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Lori was sending regular money to Colby. Yeah. Yeah. They said that Lori would, and this was weird, but Lori would send money to Tylee and then Tylee would send it to Colby. Yeah. So I don't know if it was, she didn't, they didn't want anyone knowing that Lori was sending money to Colby. Maybe. I don't know why it passed through like that. Passed through. But it, it could did. be. Lori. I think uh, exploited Charles for his money and uh, to her family's benefit uh, terribly. Definitely. But, um, and in fact, Colby uh, had texted Tylee in September and asked her if she could send him some money. And she said, no, sorry, I can't. I don't have any money. Mom took over my social security. But then she did send him that money in October from Tylee's phone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we know that Lori was receiving, Lori did receive from the time the kids died to the time that Social Security was alerted that the kids were missing in January and stopped paying. She had received over $7,000 per child. And she also was receiving caregiver payments. Mm -hmm. And and death benefits that she would have lost had she reported that she was married. So she didn't do that either. Right. So by the time she got cut off in January, she had received over $22,000 in social security funds after the deaths of the kids. So that's what the fraud charges are against her. Mm -hmm. And they've just been part of what we've been doing the last few days is proving that piece. Mm -hmm. That's really super easy, you know, super, super easy. To prove it's the proof is right, you know, dare we say in the pudding? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, when it's coming from Social Security, man, it is highly regulated and they will have all of the documentation. Yep. Then, of course, on September 8th, there was a significant increase to Tammy Daybell's life insurance policy. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Gross fuckers. God. All of, all of the trips that Chad took to Arizona were paid for on Lori and Charles's credit cards. That is so gross and awful to me that Charles was paying for that and, mm-hmm. and didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. That's awful. One thing that they said today, and again, I feel like they were laying foundation for something to come. In September, Chad spent $42 out of his business bank account, his business being his publishing business for at walmart for a burner phone a track phone yeah they had a bunch of those but that's uh one that he picked up then i think we'll hear more about that later that just oh, felt sure. like foundation oh know? by the way lady francis said we should say the proof is in the jello <laughs> true if you this know mormons love jello in no state sells more jello than the state of utah it's a big thing mm-hmm. and it's true that Katie and I can make many a Jello dish. Yes, you betcha. We were raised with lots of it. We don't put carrots or shredded cheese in it, though. Just so you know. No, our grandmas yeah. did. Oh, and or pears. Maybe all. All of those things, but the cheese and the carrots. What the hell, man? Yeah. Now here's a piece of info that you may or may not. I still had a question about this, and I thought maybe I'm the only person on the planet that didn't know this. We know that after Tammy died, that Chad paid for, he started paying after Tammy died, by the way, for most of the big things, you know, the trips, the the airline tickets, those things he was paying now. Uh, He paid for a family trip to Knott's Berry Farm in California. I have never been sure if Lori attended that trip or not. And now we know for sure she did. And see, that's always been a question. That's I think that's been a question all along that mm-hmm. we didn't know. Did she go or did he not go? Imagine your dad, your mother dying. Yeah. Your dad showing up with a new bride three weeks later. Well, I mean, they he immediately, like the day or the day after Tammy's funeral, they he took his kids to Lori's house for a cookie party to meet her. Like this happened really fast. Yeah. But uh Within just a few weeks, uh, they all went on a big family vacation together. What? Can you imagine this? No, I Listen cannot. to me. When our mom died, a few weeks later, some people from the church came back around with an invitation for my dad to go to a single stance. And I told those people every which way and backwards never to come back to this house again. <laughs> I was so rude to them that they probably got in their car and cried. But I was so freaking mad that within weeks of my dad or my mom's death that they're over there trying to get my dad hooked up with some church lady I freaked out on them and I don't do things like that I really typically do not but ooh, yeah how are they justifying this how are how I don't know you know the kids had to be going what the hell is this I can't imagine I cannot imagine what that must have felt like what a weird awkward sad not too long after our mom died, it was going to be Thanksgiving. Yes. Ain't nobody wanted to stay home and try and get through Thanksgiving. We were all such a wreck. Yeah. So we had this brilliant idea that we'd go to Vegas. 
mm-hmm. over Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, we are ridiculous. Grief just came with us and yeah. it was a hard, sad trip. And we went, we should have stayed home and mashed potatoes. This was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how much grief they must have been in? No. And they're, they're um, just... his kids were adults, but some of them were very young adults, yeah. like teenagers still. Yeah. Um, but they all just load up and go to Disneyland or, or sorry, to not Sperry farm with dad's brand new bright. I, I can't even No, Mm-mm. but now we know for sure. Cause we've wondered about that forever. Yeah. There's been a real question about that. A cookie party is just a party with cookies. I mean, yeah. she just made some different kinds of cookies for them to come over and have a, have a treat and meet her. Mm-hmm. Gross, gross, gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you ready for another bomb? This is one of the biggest bombs today, I think. Remember when poor little chatty boy was sitting in his car watching them dig up his backyard and knowing that his ass was about to go to jail? You know, and he talked to Lori and was like, I don't know, just pray, I guess. And he called Mark Means. Uh, we don't know what he said to him. Uh, something like this, probably. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of these in there. Else well, while he folks. was in that car that we didn't know about. He logged into his bank account and he transferred $8,000 each to his three oldest kids. Yeah. It left his account, you guys, at $4,400. That man had $450,000 in life insurance in November. By June, he was down to $4,400 after he dumped $24,000 to his kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd never heard that before. But uh, no wonder the house had to go immediately to prior. Yeah. And who the hell is paying the bill now? Because there is no way that house is worth enough money to have paid for this three years. I cannot fathom. There's got to be something else happening there to pay prior's bill. Mm-hmm. That's a question we keep having, and we don't know anything that's total speculation, other than we do know that prior to get the house, his name is solely on it now. Right. Yeah, what about the two younger kids? I guess they could just go well, F he off. He didn't have enough to send to all of them, or he, he should have cut it down, or maybe they were all supposed to give the younger kids some money, too. I don't know. but I have no idea. It is kind of shitty to send $8,000 to <laughs> your three oldest and nothing to your others. Yeah. Rude. Or maybe he didn't have access to their accounts, or maybe he didn't have time. Yeah, I don't know. But he drained himself down to forty four hundred. Uh, yeah, isn't that something? He yeah. knew how screwed he was. He knew the jig was up. Yeah. All right. So then we went to lunch. Uh, well, then they rested on the uh, FBI guy. Nothing further from the state. No cross from the defense again. When we came I mean, back what are from they going to ask? <laughs> right. When we came back from lunch, uh, the state called Scott Cowden. Scott Cowden is, he is employed with the Chandler Fire Department. Mm-hmm. He was one of the uh, fire and, uh, I don't want to see e- EMT. What's the, uh... he's not an EMT. What's the, uh... good Lord. I've My brain has completely left the building. At any rate, yes, he works for the fire department. He showed up as a first responder. He's like a medic. A yeah, thank okay. you. A paramedic. Thank you, paramedic. That was the word. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, is that not the same thing? The EMT? EMT? Paramedic? Huh, I don't think so. Paramedics have oh. a lot more training than EMTs. Oh, okay. But, and he's taught CPR for a billion years, has a ton of experience. He was one of the first on the scene, and he's the person who evaluated Charles Vallow on the floor and did mm -hmm. CPR. Why is this important? Because Alex is a lying liar from Liarsville yes. and pretended while he was on the phone with 911 to give Charles CPR, which everyone has been saying there's no way in hell he actually did do that for lots of reasons, partly because he called 911 a good 45 minutes after Charles was shot. Mm -hmm. We think the timeline gets real hairy. We'll get there. But, um, but he had, so he said that when you first start uh, compressions, you will crack some ribs or you'll at least pop and crack some sternum stuff. And that, that first good hard push down, that's when you're going to feel some cracking and stuff. And then after that, you don't. So he started uh, a CPR on Charles and immediately had that cracking. He also said that in Charles's state, there should have been marks on him from CPR. There should have been handprints. There should have been maybe even bruises. Like there should have been, it should have been obvious that somebody had already had their hands on him, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. No. Also, there was no blood on Alex. He said there was blood on him, you know, mm -hmm. because he did CPR until they put a heart monitor on Charles to determine that there was absolutely no activity and he was in fact deceased mm -hmm. but because that's what they do you know but at any rate yeah he was able to i think uh pretty confidently testify that no he had not received any cpr of any sort and that was it <laughs> mm -hmm. so then uh blake called detective werther to the stand from the chandler pd and there were more discovery delays then. I had noted then that Lori was just, she had a real Lori day. Looking like Lori with her gel curls and her black glasses and mm -hmm. chatting, taking notes, laughing, tossing her hair. You know, Lori shit. Did it, Nate Eaton said yesterday that she was not shackled. Was she shackled today? I you could, couldn't tell. I wondered. I was I was looking for signs of that, but you really they, you don't see that much, right? I think it's interesting though. Like maybe she's proven that she's not going to be a run risk or something, so they're letting her be unshackled. He said that she know. got up and stood up and stretched and stuff and stepped away from the table, and that she clearly was not shackled. But mm -hmm. that was interesting. Yeah. Was she taking notes or just drawing pictures? Good question. And on that note, uh, somebody in the courtroom today said that uh, John Pryor was there. Maybe this was Nate said that he leaned over to the uh, girl that's drawing the pictures and told her when it's his turn, he would like him his to look uh, 10 years younger and 30 pounds lighter if she wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> funny. That is funny. <laughs> oh, that cracked me up. Anyway. Uh, all right. So let's talk about uh, Werther. So Detective Werther, he was talking about... What happened, so Lori's story, essentially, is that there was the fight. She went in the kitchen. She heard one gunshot. She had already sent Tylee out to the car. Supposedly, JJ and Tylee were in Charles's rental car. 
she went out to the living room, saw that Charles was down, and decided to go be with her children and ran out to Charles's rental car, got in it, and drove away thinking that it, the best thing to do right now would be to take JJ to school and get him out of all of this. But JJ uh, required chicken fries for breakfast on his way to school. So they went to Burger King. They bought food. They bought food at 7.54. The transaction uh, receipt was marked 7.56. Then she says she went to the school. The school's about eight miles away from their house. She never mentioned that she also went to Walgreens, but they discovered that later that she actually went to Walgreens and bought flip-flops because apparently the kids fled from the house without shoes on. And so... That was kind of a weird thing that she never actually just told him. She told him everything else except for Walgreens. But I mean, if the reason for the flip-flops was because the kids ran out without shoes, that makes sense to me. Right. So why not like, just tell the story correctly? Right. Yeah. So weird. So, but anyway, the 911 call came in at 836. 836? So if Lori's story is true, which I mean, come on, we know, big grain of salt. Mm -hmm. If Lori's story is true, she left at 8, or got to Burger King at 8.54, which means that the shooting itself could have happened five or ten minutes before that. Right. Then they did not, yes, and she also did have Charles's phone in the car. His phone pings show that his phone mm -hmm. was with her. Uh, but that's... Uh, Timeline doesn't work. Then, when they got to the house, they showed up at the house at 8.40, I believe, roughly 8.40, EMS services did. Mm -hmm. And Lori was there by 8.46, showing up in cop cam footage. And yeah. none of her timeline is tracking and making any sense. Mm -mm. They left some, I mean, they definitely laid some foundation on that today, but... uh I don't know if they'll go further with that or if they won't. I mean, at some point, they've got to move on from Charles, really. They've got to. But I thought that was pretty interesting, all of that. Uh, nothing further from the state. Archibald on cross, he asked uh, who made the 911 call, and uh, Werner verified it was Alex. He said he never did speak to Alex on scene. That wasn't his job. Archibald wanted to know who was in the car when it was at Burger King, because they do have CCTV footage from Burger King. He says that it's obvious there's other people in the car, but he can't for sure say who. Mm -hmm. It's been said a million times that it's JJ and Tylee, but he couldn't verify that was true. Yeah. And that was it for Warner. Yeah. Then so Blake called. Oh, go these ahead. These guys are saying that, I guess, Nancy Grace freaked out about the shackles saying it could be grounds for appeal, which I think is odd because I have seen other trials where suspected murderers were in fact shackled. I don't think mm -hmm. that that's as uncommon as right. You, she was saying, but. Well, and then they put them at the witness table that is like, or sorry, at the defense table that is like fully boxed in. Like you can't see her feet. Right. But I know they don't want them to appear like prisoners to the uh, jury. That's a thing. But right. Uh, right. So maybe that's why. Yeah. But it's not that unusual. I mean, I've think seen about Darrell Brooks. Yeah. At least he she's had in the ankle room. Shockers on. Yeah, he did yeah, ankle <laughs> shockers. 
He didn't. In case you don't no. know, that's a joke. No, no. Uh, <laughs> he said he did, but he did not. No, he did not. But we all wished he had. I'm sure that judge wished she had a remote for those. <laughs> God. I think everyone in the world did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did the police know that information from the paramedic at the time? Good question, Biffany. I don't know. Nobody asked that. Nobody asked that today. Intru- yeah, the shockles. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Then Detective Inklin came to the stand, and she was awesome. She got there around 845-ish. Uh, she was there she said she thinks she was there before, before Lori got there. She was not certain. But she discovered Lori and Tylee standing over kind of by one of the cars. And so she moved them to their CARES unit van. Because, you know, part of their job is to also take care of the victims, the families, like the, manage the means crime scene. victims. Yeah. Yes. So she gets these two who's, you know, woman who's... Uh, husband has just been killed and girl whose stepdad has just been killed and she ushers them into their cares van so that they can take care of them and they're getting just the weirdest response from Lori Mm -hmm. of complete ambivalence right and so they get him into the van and they're she was even chatting with Tylee and laughing at one point before uh, they did come into the van to give her the official notification of death. And she said she uh, already knows he's dead because she watched it happen. That's what she told him. So they transported them to the family advocacy unit at the police department to be interviewed. They have their family advocacy unit is supposed to be a place for interviews and for talking to professionals and helping, you know, people that have been hurt in some kind of a terrible event. And so they did have, right. So she did watch it happen. Cranky, right? As usual, the stories aren't really holding up. Well, because she also says that she was in the kitchen and heard one shot, which we know there were two. Yeah. And then she says she saw it happen. Right. Yeah, whatever. She's such a liar. Okay, Jan, for sure. Yeah. So, Lori was interviewed by Inklin about 10 a.m. Lori told her they'd lived there for a few weeks, that Charles rented the house, uh, but they were separated, and that... uh, you know, she had gone back to Texas and try and reconcile. It didn't work out. She came back to Arizona to stay because the marriage was ending. She said Charles was supposed to come and get JJ and take him to school. Charles left the house and then came back in the house because he forgot his phone. And Lori <laughs> says when he forgot his phone, she had picked it up and was scrolling through it and saw that he was uh, messaging with someone because, you know, he was having an affair. Uh-huh. Who was having an affair, Lori? Pop- Kettle, yeah, or like oh. I see people online call her Hori. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's one so of her many, many names. She says the initial fight was about uh, them fighting over the phone because she refused to give it back to him and that he got really upset. Now, just understand, I'm just relaying the story that Lori told. I don't know that I believe any of this shit, but that's right. what she says. Then she said that uh, Tylee came out of her bedroom with a bat. And that she was kind of prodding Charles in the side with it. 
because he was trying to get at Lori to get that phone out of her hands. And then Alex came out of his bedroom and was just kind of observing the scene. So then Charles reached over and grabbed the bat from Tylee. And then Lori made Tylee go out to the car to sit with JJ because he was out there by himself. And bada bing, bada bang. Charles hit Alex in the head with the bat. Did you guys know that Charles used to play semi-pro? And he was a big, tough guy. Can you imagine if he really hit Alex in the head with that bat at full velocity? Alex wouldn't have had a head left. He wouldn't even be here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hi, Alan. Yeah, the thought of that one really slays me. But anyway, uh, and then, of course, Lori just went into the kitchen and heard one shot and then came in and Alex told, she told Alex she was going to take JJ to school and he needed to call 911. That's the basic story that she told to Detective Inland. Again, there's a lot of holes with that story, we know. So Detective Moffat interviewed Alex. She asked, Blake asked uh, Detective Inland if Detective Moffat, if she and Detective Moffat uh, spoke after they'd interviewed the two of them. She said they had, and she wanted to know if their stories uh had some indiscrepancies and she said they definitely did, but she didn't ask her what they were. There's only so far they can go. Yeah, there is only so it's far. It's a 404 B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she said that uh, Lori never at any point uh, cried, acted distressed, acted upset, acted traumatized. Nothing, nothing. How did the phone in question end up in the car? Well, yeah, Lori took it with her to the car. Yeah. Yeah. She had her own phone as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. When she left, Mm -hmm. she took the phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. wonder what she was doing with that phone. Yeah. Doesn't make you wonder. Yeah. So I would imagine she was accessing his financials. Mm -hmm. Probably. So... That was it for the state. Uh, Archibald on cross. He asked if the detective has rewatched the interviews with Lori and Tylee later. Uh, she said she did. It, it, you know, I'm sure she did to brush up on this case. It's been three years, you know. Right. But uh, he's always trying to catch him in a in some kind of a you know witness uh, impropriety type yes. thing and. You know, but she said, yeah, of course she did. And he asked uh, if they determined that this was self-defense on Alex's part. And I think she thought he was, I think Archibald thought she was going to say yes. And she said, no, that they certainly did not determine that. And he was kind of taken aback and stumbled. Then he wanted to know if Alex was charged. And Blake was like, ah, no, we need a sidebar. They had a sidebar. I'm not really sure. The judge let him keep following that uh, a little bit. I found that interesting because he kind of crossed the same line that he's been arguing against Uh, by asking that question. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we know, Alex was not arrested. Archibald wanted to know if the description of the fight was consistent throughout the interviews. These facts. He wanted to know, did Tylee bring a bat? Did Charles hit Alex with the bat? Uh, And yes, that was consistent between all of the interviews, Um, you know. People had a lot of time to get their stories straight. Yeah, they did. Uh, 
he also asked uh, Detective Inklin, is there a certain way people are supposed to act when their estranged spouse dies? Estranged spouse, you know, he had to get that in there. The detective said, no, but her lack of emotion was still very odd. <laughs> she said, I've been on a lot of cases where there's been a murder or another traumatic event, and she took it too well. It was just very strange how nonchalant she was. Mm -hmm. well, we've, we've seen some of that body cam footage and it is yes. weird as hell oh, yeah. laughing giggling we joking just moved in here. sorry neighbors <laughs> yeah remember that mm -hmm. yeah sorry that was that was my lori if you guys did or didn't like it i was pretty impressed <laughs> <laughs> needs to be a little higher pitched a little more babyish yeah so that was it for Cross. Blake on redirect. She wanted to know if Alex is alive. The detective said no. Uh, Blake asked if Alex would be arrested if he was still alive. Archibald objects, and that objection was sustained. Yeah, see, what? Yeah. I, I don't know. know. That seemed inconsistent to me. It is. It is. Blake wanted to know if it's typical to arrest the same day as an incident. Archibald objects and was overruled. <laughs> the detective said, no, frequently they don't. They still have more information to gather. That was nothing further from the state. And we went on afternoon break. When we came back, and this was where it got a little more interesting. They called April Raymond to the stand. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know, April Raymond was one of Lori's friends from Hawaii. Lori and Charles lived in Hawaii for a couple of years back in like 2016-ish. Mm -hmm. And they, April was one of her friends. They were in the same branch together and they served in the primary together. Mm -hmm. That's how we knew Lori was the primary president because April told us. So there was a problem. There was a, a, a witness problem. So apparently somebody sent April a link to an interview that Justin Lum did a couple of days ago with one of Lori's cousins. Mm -hmm. she said she opened the article and started to read it and then realized this is probably something I shouldn't do so she closed it but she did read through some of the comments I read through some of the comments too and uh, it was mostly members of the LDS church that were very affronted by that article because uh, basically Lori's cousin was blaming the church for this stuff going down and uh, people were really pissed off and that's what she read remember April is LDS. Mm -hmm. And so she had started to read that, realized she probably shouldn't. So basically the defense was like, well, I mean, she really can't be a credible witness now because she read things about the trial. And the prosecutor's like, she didn't read anything about testimony at the trial. It's not right. like she's, you know, like on true crime squads live stream. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they would call us out by name. No. Right. None of them are watching any of these shows. They None of those care. attorneys or that judge. They don't care what we do. Mm -hmm. We're happier that way because we do what we want. Uh, anyway, basically they determined that, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, but that wasn't really a violation of, uh, of witnesses' responsibilities. And in fact, she said that she's had multiple uh, members of the press reach out to her and ask to interview her. And she sent back exactly the directive that the prosecution gave her when they subpoenaed her to be a witness. Mm -hmm. She's following the rules. This is April Raymond. She's following the rules. Give me a break. Yeah, she's 
She didn't buy into the crazy, if that tells you anything about her. She yeah. she she uh, declined her invitation to the 144,000. <laughs> yeah. Funny. There were a lot of back and forth objections. This is where the cross was, or the, uh, for the state, I didn't know who she was. I don't know. Ooh. I should have gone and looked at Nate and see if he knew. She was a little, uh, little blonde girl, girl, woman. And she did a wonderful job. I was so proud of her. She went back and forth with Archibald with like a flurry of objections and her going, your honor, I just don't think that this is something that we're going to, I'm not going to listen to that and think that that's a credible uh, objection because like <laughs> she was awesome. It was not Rachel Smith. No, Rachel was no, sitting on, no, Rachel. I thought it was too, but she was sitting at the table. I don't know who this was, but she was great. Super great. Okay. But then again, it's hard to see. So if someone else said it was a or, uh, Rachel, I'll be like, okay, bye. Then it was because it's hard for us to see. But I didn't think it was Rachel. She wasn't tall enough. Mm. Anyway, so we know they knew each other from church. Uh, they were quick friends at church. They would get together once or twice a week. She said they'd like to go walking, shopping, planning for uh, church stuff. Uh, Lori was a hairdresser, so she was doing April's hair. After the Vallows moved back to the mainland, their families stayed in touch. They were like, their families were friends. Mm -hmm. And then in February, 2019, Lori calls her out of the blue and says that she and Tylee are in Kauai and they wanted to visit. And they actually came and stayed with her for about a week. She told her all about how she and Charles were getting divorced because Charles was having an affair. And mm -hmm. then she dropped the bomb that Charles is not Charles anymore. He is a dark spirit named Ned Snyder. Mm -hmm. And she said that uh, at this point, she's done with JJ. Those were April's words. She said, Lori said, she's done with JJ. Charles and Kay are going to have to figure it out. Done with JJ. Done with your own done. child. So April's Oy. really confused about the dark spirit thing because she had never heard anything about this before. So she asked Lori how she knew that uh, Charles was a dark spirit. And she said it's become obvious because Charles is now shorter. Shorter. That's how she knew. Yeah. That, sure. Okay. Again, Jan. Yeah. yeah. She also said that uh, she had told April that Charles had a PI following her trying to serve her with papers, which is true. Mm -hmm. And that she had tricked him into thinking she was in Boise that weekend, even though she was actually in Hawaii. Oh, so that's the preparing a people conference mm -hmm. that Zulema and Melanie G and Chad went to mm -hmm. that Lori didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. That's oh, what that Janet was says Nate's feed says it was Rachel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel did a great job. <laughs> She was, because she is a great attorney. <laughs> I am dead. Oh, my God. Again, it's hard to see. It is. Well, no wonder she did so good. Rachel Smith is a badass. Well, Thank it you. was great. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Uh, later on, Tylee flew back to Arizona. She was actually working for Summer Shiflet's husband. Summer Shiflet's husband, I believe, is a chiropractor. And Tylee was working for him in his office. Mm -hmm. She was trying to get some normalcy, you know, yeah, having a little teenager imagine. job. 
Lori stayed in Hawaii. And she had invited uh, April to go to lunch with her and her friend, Melanie Gibb. So Melanie had flown out to Hawaii. April had never met Melanie before. So they went to a restaurant called Calypso and sat down to eat and started really laying it out thick. All of the stuff about, uh, you know, the, uh, the past lives and the dark spirits and the 144,000. And she's just getting more and more confused. Then they talked all about the incident where Lori discovered Charles was having an affair. Big Mark means quotes here. Mm-hmm. And canceled, She out of retaliation, she canceled Charles' flight in from Houston. She canceled his credit cards and she stole his pickup. And she also stole $32,000 from his business account. Uh, that didn't come up in court, but that's been reported earlier. It has, yeah. Then Lori invites April to join the 144000 but lets her know that in order to do so, she would need to separate herself from her children to fulfill her greater purpose. My God. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what April must have been thinking about this? Because they've served in the right. primary presidency together. Their kids were friends. And suddenly you're, I need to get rid of my kids. What? Yeah. Well, yeah. So Lori's, April's like, I don't think that's for me. Thanks. And mm-hmm. turned them down. Good job, April. Yeah. The uh, prosecutor asked, what uh, does she think you should do with your kids? And she said, uh, just leave them on my husband, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. so that that happened. Uh, no more from the state. Uh, Archibald on cross just kind of confirmed the relationship between the Raymonds and the Vallows. And then uh, he asked Rachel or April if she had noticed a change in Lori's belief system. And April confirmed that uh, she thought it was due to the new group that she was involved in. She said in July 2018, or in July of 2018, in talking to Lori, it seemed like her beliefs were kind of starting to change. But it wasn't until February 2019 that she was really talking about the past lives, the dark spirits, the zombies. Uh, Archibald asked if Lori shared the castings with her. She did not. She did share the light and dark scale. She did tell her that she uh, is a translated being, a goddess. And... Of course, uh, she also claimed to be the leader of the 144,000. <laughs> Archibald said, how did you react when she said those things? And she said, I was trying not to react, but just to listen. <laughs> I'm sure she was like, what, what the fuck is happening here? What, what the <laughs> flip is happening here, right? <laughs> what the fetch is going on here? Right. Yeah. Those were Mormon substitutes for the word fuck. <laughs> I just say the real word now. Yeah, I've been liberated. Uh, Lori told April that she had some experiences in the LDS temple that had changed her beliefs. April confronted her those beliefs and told her that she wasn't sure she believed that. And Lori told her that's because she wasn't ready to hear it yet. Boy, that is spiritual well, gaslighting mm-hmm. at its finest. Yeah. yeah, you're not fully indoctrinated yet. So just keep yep. listening. Yikes. Sorry that you're not ready to hear it. You haven't prayed hard enough. Maybe you should go fast. Yeah. 
Uh, Archibald asked about the primary calling together. <laughs> he said, this is not the first time the defense has done this. I'll Let me say what he said, and then I'll weigh in on that. He said, in primary, did they teach the kids that Jesus was good? And she said, yes. Did she teach that Jesus can heal people? And she said, yes. And he said, did they teach the children that Jesus can cast out evil spirits? And April was like, uh, well, maybe. I don't know if we teach primary kids that. Yeah, probably, I guess. But it was a real, like, casts out evil spirits. Like, there's the smoking gun. You guys do teach that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, not in the way that they were doing that. It occurred to me yesterday, after some things that were said in court, that the defense is taking for granted. And this is something that's very typical of where we live. Yeah. Everyone here is Mormon. Practically everybody. Mormon and or former. <laughs> Mormon or former. And people talk in Mormonese mm -hmm. because they think that people will know what they're talking about. And typically they do. Right. I've noticed out of the defense several times now using religious terminology and phrases that are pretty uh, specific to Mormonism. And I think taking for granted that the jury would have any idea what they're talking about because they're all LDS and that's yeah. fine. It's not a dig on anybody, but uh, this is the second time, not even more than that, but it struck me yesterday. Some things I heard thinking, you know, the jury doesn't know what that means. Right. And then again today, this whole, uh, did you, did you teach them that Jesus is good? Did you teach them that he heals people? It was kind of like pseudo-religious. It was a little weird. Mm -hmm. A little weird. Uh, she did say that that lunch at Calypso was the first time she had met Melanie. She said she felt like they were testing the waters to see how interested she would be. But she, of course, did shut that down. Um, on redirect, April was asked about Lori's group. April said she was referring to the podcast group, which was refreshing because we haven't really talked about that at all. Yeah. But see, along with all of this stuff they were doing and talking about, and they were going to all these preparing a people events, some of them were involved with AVOW, which is another voice of warning, which is like a Mormon prepper group. They did. Well, uh, another voice of warning is actually a hate group. Yeah. Yes. It is a hate group. It is a hate group. That's correct. Uh, she said she was talking about the podcast group because she also, some of these people she was involved with, they were all podcasting too. So she right. listed in the podcast group, she said, Chad, Lori, Melanie Gibb, Jason Mao, Thor, Zalima, and others is what she said. That's, I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. So that was it. That was, uh, Court, that court adjourned there. Uh, April was released. April was on the stand for less than one hour. She flew clear from Hawaii for this. And they did release her so she can go home. Good for her, though, because uh, I'm happy to hear that somebody in Maury's circle did not fall for that crap. Mm -hmm. You see, uh, Phil says, right, I don't remember Jesus shooting at people from a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, That's what you coming up in, in here with that reason for? <laughs> Was April and Sins of Our Mother? I never watched it. I don't know. 
I've kind of stayed away from a lot of that stuff because it muddies the waters for, for podcasters that like we're trying really hard to be as factual as possible. Not, yeah. not all of us are, let's be honest, but we're trying. And I know sometimes we get some things wrong because we're humans, but I haven't watched a lot of that stuff because it muddies the waters. It does. Yeah. I've stayed away from it too. Yeah. I'm preparing a people now designs ever having associated with Daybell. Yeah. And yet there are flyers all over the internet. Babies, flyers. It, yeah. The internet's forever. Now, what was the, so I remember a lot of these guys are asking about, did jury members disclose their faith? There was a big argument about that because I think they're not allowed to ask uh, a they jury, did. a juror's uh, religion, but yeah, they got it in, didn't they? In the juror questionnaire. I don't know about the juror questionnaire, but I did hear the, uh, I did hear the, uh, in the one half day that I went to jury questioning, this is where the guy said, if you have, or, or Smith was questioning a potential jury pool, and somehow one of the jurors said that he's very religious, and if he encounters people that aren't of his same religion, he tends to not trust them. Yes. Which was kind of a red flag, and she came back and revisited that later, and she did ask him then. Um, he's a studier, in his words, a, a student of philosophy, and is Catholic, actually. Mm. He did say, she asked him, she said, what religion are you? Can I ask? And she, he said, oh, I'm Catholic. Anyway, so he they, got dismissed, I think, for a good reason. Uh, they must have got that in then, because there was a big argument over that initially, yeah. that yeah. It, you, sh you should not be asking jurors religions. Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting. So they wanted to know. I mean, that was a part of their conversation for sure. They wanted to know what mm -hmm. religion everybody was. Well, and Kat, so Kat Link says, as an LDS virgin, she means not knowing about LDS. Um, I've noticed many times, many uh, terms bantered about, which has no meaning to me. So I, I, you're totally right, Katie. Oh, yeah. Things need to be explained. I, words like, well, yesterday they were talking, Melanie Gibb asked if she, she asked Chad if she will receive her second comforter. If I say that, what does that mean to you guys? You're going to put an extra blanket on your bed? Right? Nobody knows mm. what that means. Well, the second comforter is Jesus Christ. The idea in uh, Mormonism is that if you are uh, righteous enough and follow the rules enough and do all things enough, uh, that at some point Jesus re will reveal himself to you in the temple and that will deepen your relationship with him and that is what receiving your second comforter is. Mm -hmm. The Holy Ghost is the first comforter. Right. And uh, apparently, I was reading about this yesterday to be sure I, I knew for sure. Because, uh, you know, I've been out of that uh, religion for a really long time. And sometimes I forget things um, on purpose. And the... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> At any rate, it's... Uh, they also said that there's a third comforter, which is actually uh, Heavenly Father. So... Right. I don't know. Right. In case you're curious, that's what that all meant. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Linda. Good to have you here. Yeah, I, I knew that would be a new term to most people. Yeah. Brandy was raised Mormon. She didn't even know what a second comforter is. See? <sighs> I went to seminary. Well, there are, yeah. <laughs> Six years of it, and then two years of LDS Junior College. So yeah. if I really dig in there, there's a lot of stuff. I just... As a serial killer, she's responsible for more than three deaths. No, <clears throat> can you tell us why? Uh, it's because this is all part of the same incident. 
it's the you know, that whole common scheme situation um they these deaths are all connected to each other and uh, connected to the same motive mm-hmm. so that's why yep Oh, Patsy said, best quote from a different podcast. Lori wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. She was making it. <laughs> this is true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah, Heather Daybell's uh, article is, or interview is amazing. I think that's on Hidden, isn't it? it that does explain a lot is. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can support us by going over to True Crime Squad. You can buy us a coffee over there, or you can uh, just send into Dip our us PayPal. PayPal. Either way. Yeah. yeah. We appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get the second comforter, you are deemed impervious to sin. You can sin all you want. No, that's only if you're a translated being. Uh, apparently. That's According actually if you get the second anointing in Mormonism, mm-hmm. which is a super secret. Oh, right. Yeah. Temple ceremony in which you do supposedly meet Jesus Christ and then you've basically proven yourself. Yeah. And you will definitely be going to the celestial kingdom, which is the highest level of heaven uh, in Mormonism. Uh, that's when you actually are then impervious to sin and can, you, you, yeah, you don't have to follow all the rules. But they're kind of using translated being in the same vein. Yeah. Yeah. Translated being was, Chad has his own definition to it. I mean, Chad said, That a translated being doesn't have to eat, doesn't have to sleep, cannot reproduce, and cannot sin. Mm -hmm. It's weird because those translated beings sure need a hell of a lot of money when they don't really need anything anymore. I don't know. I know. They were were spending a whole bunch of money. I can't believe that was Rachel Smith. I'm dead. I can't believe I didn't. I even, we, the people on my row, we were all like, who is that? But you know what? She had her hair up in a bun. And I wonder if that's oh. why we just didn't actually recognize She her. normally wears her hair down. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like our Facebook feed might have just crashed. Uh-oh. Well, at any rate, we're pretty well done anyway. Mm-hmm. We've been here, what, 21 minutes longer than uh, we like to be. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Are we good? Uh just so that you know, anybody that comes to the cold read party, we're going to suspend the cold read party this month, and we apologize. Uh, we really apologize. We just are we're burning the candle at both ends and in the middle, and we're just we're giving yeah. all we've got today, Belvalo. I know I think you guys can appreciate that, but uh, we aren't going to do the cold read party tonight or this yeah. month. We're just going to give ourselves a little breather. We just kind of need it. So we do. Yeah, we we, we got to be prepared for the long haul. Because this mm-hmm. is really the only sec- only the second week of trial. So we yeah. have a lot coming. So Christy, you and Aunt Sue will be in court tomorrow. Yes. You guys just don't know. Someday I'm going to make her come on here. I don't know right. if she will. <laughs> Our aunt is the funniest lady on the planet. She's and she hilarious. has been coming to court almost every day. She's gone to court more than we have. Mm-hmm. And she'll always give us a little She's retired, so she's got that kind of time. Right. She'll give us, uh, you know, the deets when we're not there, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But when she's there, then we get to hang out and go to lunch. And she hears things sometimes that I don't or that I hear that she doesn't. And anyway, mm-hmm. we've, we've had a good time. It's been kind of fun. Yeah. So you are going to court with Aunt Sue tomorrow. Yes. And then our dear Darla is going to court with Aunt Sue on Friday. Yes. <laughs> so, 
I love it. So we'll have full coverage for the whole rest of the week. So yes, we will. Yeah. Thanks you guys so much for being here. Thank you for all of your support. You guys know, uh, we couldn't do it without you for sure. Definitely. So thank you for being here. This has been yet another production of the true crime squad. Bye everybody. Thank you.